Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in Outshine. Bitcoins, we got them. Acquire, never sell. But catch us rolling deep like Adele. Bitcoin, blockchains, cryptocurrencies. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome hey, to. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you want to start? You want to give it a shot? Go for it. Yeah, well, I'm gonna steal your. I'm gonna steal your pizzazz. Hey, everybody! Welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Podcast. I'm host number two, D. How do How do we do this? Do we go to three and then back to one? We two, really messed one, this three? up. Let's just run it back for a few seconds to do what we normally do. All right. <laughs> We're gonna put that in the show, though. Hold on, I gotta mic mute. I'm making my my microphone mute on on the ready because Chloe's in a fucking barking mood. Dude, just go put her in a chokehold real quick so we can get that the show done. She doesn't do anything. That does nothing. All right, hey guys, uh, episode one sixty eight of the Bitcoin Podcast. I'm your first host, Marcello, and I'm host number two, D. Host number three, Corey. What is up today? I know what's up. Ethereum price, that's what's up. <laughs> that's right. Yep. It's currently um, at the time of recording, it is sitting at what, like 475. Let's just run the gamut real quick. Wait a second. Not just Ethereum price is up. We're just um yeah. you know what they're you know what they're gonna call us someday? They're gonna call us innovative investors. So they're going to call us and they're going to say it like that, too, with a little bit of a twirl at the end. So we're like, so Bit- Bitcoin's at 8,500. 8, nope, 8610. Well, um, OK, just when things let's let's not be particular here. OK, so 8,600 Bitcoin cash is at 1,500 is what I'm seeing. Maybe 1,600 somewhere. Uh, this is on the app coin ticker. I've been using it for five years. I love it. I got Ether at 471, Litecoin at 83, Ethereum Cash at 22, and those are the biggies. Zcash is at 348. Um, am I missing any of the biggies? Monero, probably. I don't really follow Monero. I probably should, but fuck it. Everything's up. Yeah. Except for why? Except for alts. Why? Why, are they Why up? is it up? We about to get speculative in this. Well, Shella uh, just said something that kind of, I think, confuses people. What's an altcoin? Okay, oh. I can oh, handle this. You go for it, Shella. I know. Oh, just stuff you buy with Ethereum. I don't know the technical mumbo jumbo. <laughs> Lovely. There is I no. Like there that. isn't a good definition of altcoins. Like there they, they doesn't exist. There wasn't oh. until that definition became wrong. Go ahead, D. What's the an altcoin? Def- 
The definition of an altcoin started from Bitcoin maximalism or Bitcoin evangelism, and it was anything that wasn't Bitcoin. That's it. There was Bitcoin, and then there was the complement of Bitcoin, which was all other cryptocurrencies, alternative coins, and that's it. Yeah. Litecoin was an altcoin. But now that we've matured as an industry and we understand, like, oh, these other tokens have use cases that Bitcoin can't fulfill, and this this magical dream that it was going to just just the blob and take everybody's code and become this magical currency that could update. We now know that that's not possible because of humanity. So now these altcoins, you just call them other digital assets. And that's when the star flies up and it goes, the more, you know, the, that was the that was the origination of altcoin was something that wasn't Bitcoin or in the early days. I don't know if y'all remember. Mm-hmm. It was like all things that weren't Bitcoin were Bitcoin clones. They literally forked the code base, changed it slightly, changed a few parameters, and then ran it. And that's definitely not like while some of the larger coins still have a lot of flavors from the original Bitcoin source code. That's not the standard anymore. Ethereum is drastically different and everything built on top of Ethereum is based in Ethereum. So that's a whole different section of coins. We have different, like majorly different use cases and architecturally different blockchains and consensus mechanisms. There's a, I don't know, like it's, it's hard to say maybe based on sentiment because Bitcoin is the one people usually refer to first. And they broach the subject of cryptocurrency. So it still has that, like, you know, name brand recognition. Sometimes I get scared that, like, um, just from our branding purposes, that we went so hard in the paint on Street Fighter that there's going to be a Street Fighter 2. And then we're kind of stuck. Nobody remembers Street Fighter. Like, nobody even cares that Sagat was the last boss in the first Street Fighter. Like, nobody remembers that stuff. They do remember in Bison very vividly, and everybody knows Blanca gets down on the spinny roll attack. I don't All know right. what it's called. So we change your name. We we own the blockchainpodcast.com. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Does that does that lead into your talking point that Ethereum is better and how long before it's just the best? Was that a talking point? That was a talking point. You know that. It kind of gives away some of the awesomeness of the show when you like say what the talking points are, Joe. You kind of like got to smooth into. Hey, you got to smooth dance that shit in. We are getting back to being on target <laughs> instead of just talking you know, about random Street Fighter talking, Two shit. Yeah, before I just said talking point, you literally just got to talk about Street Fighter. Yeah, but I I used it as an analogy for what I I was. It was foreplay to the talking point. You I was three characters deep in, in your analogy. I was three characters, <laughs> three characters deep. It was going off the deep end. Um, but Ethereum's Ethereum is it's just it's better. Like there's no, there's, I can't, you can't fight it anymore. And I, I've given away my Bitcoin maximalist viewpoints a long time ago. But um, it's 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 uh it's processing more transactions. It's doing cooler things. It has what seems to me as a just a very a very uh, much larger brain trust 
of enthusiastic people looking to work on it. Um, the belief chasm is way too wide still, though, even though the enthusiasm is there. Belief people chasm. Who, yeah, people who don't, who don't get crypto, they're not going to accept it as payment. And people who do get it, they're not going to part with theirs. Well, it's the same shit. I mean, like, investors, I think that we're seeing so many people, like the majority of the people who are coming into the space right now are investors because those are the people that are going to care. It's If you think about it from an everyday user's perspective, they're not going to care. They just They just want to do stuff that they couldn't do beforehand. But investors always care about this stuff because they want to be the first one. They want to understand what's happening and make money from it. And that's what happens with traditional investments. They, they search out what's happening and try and put their money on what they think is going to actually win. And that's what we're seeing happen in this space. And it's still difficult to use. It's hard to imagine everyday people using this technology on an everyday basis because in reality, they probably won't interact with it at this level. No, it's, they won't. And so, like, I, this might just be normal. It just, it just is what, this is what investors do. They find what's going to happen, what's going to pop next, and they put their money into it and try and make money off of it as, it as it grows. But you still have all the usability problems. And we're just, we're just enthusiasts. Like, we don't mind using it because we've been doing it for forever. We've been playing with it, researching it, talking about it for the past, I don't know, at least three years for the podcast. Well, we also have a direct monetary incentive to do so. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I play with it all the time. Sometimes I yeah. play with it right before bed. It helps me sleep. So. Mm. Hey, you did say, uh, I'm going to just gloss right over that. You did say that you sent a, what, three cent Bitcoin transaction from your from your ledger? Yeah, from my ledger to myself. I sent it from my ledger to my ledger just to test to see because I saw actually it was um it was a case of being extremely pissed off at Bitcoin. So let me clarify why I did this experiment. I bought dinner with my colleagues just to prove that Bitcoin has value because my boss is really every day he's actually printed out a fixture a picture of that fake Satoshi Nakamoto and put it Dorian. So I could see it at 24 hours of the day. Like I could just see it at the corner of my eye. And he's like, he says stuff like, I bet you can't wait till this guy takes all your money. And I'm just like, you're, you don't know what you're talking about. But anyways, um, I, I bought dinner and the fee was $5 for a $25 dinner. And I was pissed. Would you, what now, did you, you is, what app did you use? USD, what, what wallet I service? Used, uh, I used Jack's. Uh, I used Jax. I sent it to a blockchain.info wallet. Uh, it was a sushi place outside this hotel, uh, owned by a young guy. So of course he, you know, deals in crypto. Um, but when I went back, I checked and I was like, "What the hell? Five dollars on the twenty-five dollar meal for the fee is like point zero zero six Bitcoin at the time." And I was like, "This is this is dumb." So then I was like. And I go online, I see somebody else is like, oh, the fee's stupid, $6 or $10 thing. And I was like, yeah, this is getting dumb. So then I tested SegWit. I was like, there's got to be a better option. So I tested SegWit, transaction myself, and it was like two cents, two point something cents. Hold on. How did you get money into a SegWit address? 
I sent it to myself. Okay. Now that transaction should not be cheap. That should be a normal Bitcoin transaction. Yeah, that was a normal Bitcoin transaction. I sent it to myself from Coinbase. So I'm talking about I sent it from a ledger address to another ledger address that I had. Okay. To Segwit addresses. And it was a very cheap transaction. And then I was thinking, like, why can't why isn't anyone adopting Segwit? I don't they don't know. Get it. Like it's like there's there's I don't know. I guess the wallets that people basically implement haven't forced them to move their funds. And when they do force people to move all of their funds, basically all of the little pieces of Bitcoin that are wrapped up in different unspent transaction outputs that their wallet keeps track of, it's going to be an expensive transition, right? Especially if the fees go up. So just moving your money, consolidating all of your old Bitcoin address funds, UTXOs, into a new SegWit address is probably going to be expensive because for the past couple of years, the incentive, like the incentivize incentivization structure of Bitcoin was to create more and more and more smaller sets of UTXOs that your wallet just has to keep track of. Now you then have to con like consolidate all of these small pieces of Bitcoin into a new address, which, which amalgamates to like a, a really large complicated transaction, which is expensive. Mm -hmm. And so well, that may be why people aren't using it. Consolidate an off-exchange wallet for the fork? Is that what you mean? No. like no. It's, it's, so SegWit is an opt-in technology. You have to send the Bitcoin you have currently in the addresses that you currently – where it's stored in the addresses that you currently own to a new address. That's like me – that's like you sending money to yourself. That's doing a transaction, a normal Bitcoin transaction. That's going to cost money, but mm -hmm. you have to like for every little piece of Bitcoin that you have used and broken up and changed associated with a given address, say an address can be associated with like, I don't know, hundreds of unspent transaction outputs. So it can, it can unlock little pieces of Bitcoin along the blockchain from previous transactions that have, that it's interacted with. Mm -hmm. And that's an input. In a, trans in a transaction, technically. So you can have multiple inputs into a transaction. So you take all of these inputs from previous transactions and then you funnel them into a new address. Now, that's that's a really expensive transaction. Yep. So that's probably why people aren't using it is because it take, it's going to cost money to move your money to a SegWit transaction or a SegWit address, especially if the keys that you own are associated with lots of little bits of Bitcoin and not like I have, I've only gotten Bitcoin once and all of it sits in one address and one, like one previous transaction output. So it just might take a while. So like people just start into accepting Bitcoin in SegWit addresses so that slowly but surely whatever Bitcoin they own gradually moves over into Bitcoin addresses or so SegWit addresses. You know you know what I would think that it could be a it could be a UI thing that that people do is like whenever you're about to send a transaction, the screen goes dark a little bit and it highlights the fee box and it says, "Look at this fee. That equates to this much USD." Hi, right? Well, there's a better option. That'd be Segwit. that'd be great, but good luck getting wallet providers to do that. I mean, like they should. That's that should be a part of the user experience for them to understand that's, how much of a fee they're actually sending. I guess so. We're just dropping the ball on so many 
like there's so many educational gaps when it comes to educating the consumers and because with something with such a high learning curve like this you've got to fill those gaps for the consumer or they're just gonna flee like at, at, when one consumer figure out figures out like wait a second i just paid five dollars on 25 dollar mill that's 20 percent bitcoin sucks never again and they're gonna go straight back to the old system where they only get charged taxes and they're fine with that all right so what happens if everybody does that no one actually uses the currency well, we all know what happens then, Corey. <laughs> I'm going to keep harking back to it. We all know what happens then. Nobody uses it and they go to Ethereum or Ether. Well, they could go to something. They go to we, something we, we, else. We, they go to something else. We got a little bit off task. What What happens if Ethereum is better? Well, it's not what if. Ethereum is currently it's processing more transactions. You can do cool shit. So I think that and, uh, something that's happened – so this weekend with me lets me know that mass adoption is getting weirder is I was wearing this Ethereum shirt yesterday. I went to Target. I bought something well after the rush. I'm not into that Black Friday shit. So I went to Target and the guy that helped me, the very first thing he says to me is not like, how can I help you, sir? Which uh, I did talk about on Yelp, but no, I'm kidding. I didn't. But the first thing he said was, oh, I love your shirt. I bought some last week. Me and my coworker, we put together a pool. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, we put some money together. Where was this? This was what city? Target in San Antonio. Oh, because if that was Colleen, you should have been like, what? If it was Colleen. Colleen, <laughs> yeah, a much different story. I bet you I could wear this in Colleen and get some action. But anyways, uh, I like that. Get some action. But you know, before he he didn't even ask me about the thing that I wanted him to unlock or get for me. He was just like, "Yeah, I bought some last week. Ethereum is awesome. I own half an Ethereum." And I was like, mm, "It's Ether, but I'm not gonna correct you. You're enthusiastic. I'll let you <laughs> let you do your thing." And it was just weird that like random people in Target know about Ethereum and are purchasing it and are looking forward to purchasing more. Probably not gonna use it, Corey. I'm gonna use it for shit. Nope. But they are they are gonna own it. Nope. They will not use it for shit. Well, that'll be nice. I don't know. There there is a bootstrapping process of people actually getting the currency in their hands to then use the applications that are built on like you can actually use it for. So maybe when something comes out that everyone can use, more people will actually just have like they'll be ready to use it. They won't have to go through the extra steps of getting ether. Like I have some ether. I can use that with I can do this with that ether. Awesome. I'm gonna do that. Yeah, no maybe for Bitcoin. Maybe or Bitcoin could be the exact same thing. I mean, eventually something's going to come out where you can do things. Hopefully, I think I think Bitcoin's uh, getting scary, man. With all this money that's coming in, and with how little Bitcoin is left, there's going to be liquidity liquidity squeezes that are going to make the price just just get uncomfortably high. Yeah, I was telling Corey that um, Bitcoin has a larger market cap than McDonald's now, and the uh, the number of users on Coinbase now exceeds the number of brokerage accounts at Charles Schwab. How do you like that? Damn. Are we required to do the... Ba-da-ba-ba-ba? Not anymore. They're losing. Well, you did not finish that at all. I thought at least one of you would say, I'm loving it. But that did not happen. Uh, that's Justin Timberlake. Did you know that? Uh, I know that now. Yep. I thought that was Tito Jackson. Anyway. Um, Ariana? 
What about her? take it, take it, take it to the interview? Take it oh, to yeah, the yeah, yeah. interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think um, D was referring. I think D was thinking about a singer when you said Ariana. He wasn't even considering our interview Grande. this week. I was. <laughs> what about was Ariana Grande? <laughs> We were just talking about Justin Timberlake, and then you said Ariana, and so I was like, "Oh, Ariana Grande, she's a pop star." I next, next level about. transitions. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Ariana Simpson, Samson. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it is Ariana Simpson. Uh, previously with BitGo, now she's a venture capitalist, and uh, she looks in. She looks into investing in people, not products. Uh, so. Um, it was very, very good interview from someone who's been in the space for a very long time and has had the pleasure of watching it mature just like we have. Um, she also um, does not like your idea, Cello, to have a uh, shark tank for ICOs. Uh, she she graciously declined that being a good idea. She's wrong. She left an out. She left an out. <laughs> she's wrong. She's wrong. She don't know shit. She, yeah, I didn't say that. Just said she's wrong. Oh, you didn't say that. I was just, I was making. It I wasn't in on this interview, so uh, she also likes books, running, skiing, and traveling. So that's that, all is, I got. Isn't that on her like a website? Be sure it's on her Twitter profile. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what else do we know about Ariana? Well, it was a great talk. Awesome. So, um, without further ado. Here it is. What's up, everybody? Today, we are blessed with the presence of Ariana Simpson joining us to discuss all things that she is into for the crypto space. Of course, I'm joined with D. Marcello is out today. He has some family matters to attend to. So, uh, hey, let's get started. Why don't you uh, give us a nice introduction on how in the world you found yourself in the crypto space and then the crazy journey you've been on to be where you currently are. Sure. Um, so I would say the the biggest kind of piece of my journey down uh, the Bitcoin rabbit hole um, was a trip to Africa. So um, a few years back, I had been working in New York and decided to go travel around Southern Africa for a few months. And um, as part of that trip, I spent some time in Zimbabwe. And I was there basically um, right after the worst of their hyperinflation. So at that point, uh, they had had to switch over to the U.S. dollar to restabilize the economy um, because at the peak of um, its inflation, basically, the currency had been devaluing by half on a daily basis, which um, is really pretty crazy. And so that obviously threw the entire country into economic disarray. Um, and so I was there and obviously this, you know, this hearing these stories made a pretty big impression on me. So when I returned to New York, um, after my trip, I, uh, I was thinking a lot about what might be possible in a world in which, um, you know, a corrupt central government didn't, um, you know, didn't control all of the currency or the means of exchange. And therefore, um, when a friend of mine, uh, who now actually runs a Bitcoin company, Blockstack, um, told me about this thing called Bitcoin and I read the white paper, um, the pieces kind of coalesced in my head. And so I started um, thinking about it, doing a lot of research and got really excited about the possibilities I saw there. Was that, was that Muneeb or Ryan? 
Lockstack? Uh, Ryan, yeah. So Ryan and I knew each other um, from you know his pre-Bitcoin days, and he was actually working on a healthcare startup at the time. Um, and then uh, you know eventually he he decided that Bitcoin was the thing, and here we are a few years later. <laughs> I think you were uh, hit the nail on the head on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's actually funny. I How was much? talking to. Yeah. I was talking to him just the other day and he, um, you know, I thanked him because I said, you know, you've completely changed the entire course of my life many years ago when you told me about Bitcoin and uh, for the better, I would say. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, yeah, I was telling everybody about it at the time, but you were the only person who actually, you know, paid attention or, you know, one of a few people who paid attention. Um, and that has worked out pretty well for, for us, I would say. So we'll see how it goes, but so far, so good. Ooh. As a so, how has the VC space been treating you? Is it have you found that? Okay, so I guess the question I'm looking to ask is: ever since this ICO craze has popped up, um, and it doesn't look like it looks like it's cooling down a little bit, but does it does it has there been some disruption in the VC space due to these ICOs popping up and kind of like anybody can release a token and is it? Basically, have has the VC space been disrupted, or could it possibly be disrupted by, by this? Yeah, I mean, I think um, when you drill down, actually, a lot of the folks who are participating in ICOs or pre-sales actually are VCs. So in reality, I think um, you know, there's there's still a lot of money that's coming from traditional sources. Um, I, I think ultimately that it's a good thing to have uh, the ability to raise from folks who are not just venture capitalists. So um, I definitely don't think that, uh, you know, the change is necessarily a bad thing. I think things have gone a little bit crazy town and I do see them already starting to self-regulate a little bit, obviously like having many multi-hundred million dollar ICOs, um, happening in a given quarter is is not sustainable and so i think we're already seeing seeing a little bit of a cooling down of the market um i think the ico model may evolve but will probably stick around in some form and i think that's a good thing but we're gonna have to see how the regulatory environment plays out because right now there's still a lot of uncertainty in that realm um and you know so so it's kind of like a watch and wait i definitely don't think that most VCs are going to be out of a job anytime soon because it also depends what kind of business you're running. So if you have like a networks effect, network effects business or a marketplace where it's important to have a lot of early adopters and people um, using the network, in that case, you might be more interested in having, um, you know, an ICO where you can give ownership of your network to a large number of people. But if you're, let's say, a traditional enterprise SaaS type company, it doesn't really make much sense to be um, looking for funding in that way because a VC who can connect you to, you know, a lot of customers or who can help you hire may actually be a, a better fit for your business. Yeah, I've always kind of seen, we've, we've interviewed quite a few VCs or people who are invest in this space. And I've always appreciated that um, y'all tend to be the people that push the space in the in forward and so the ideologies or feelings or thoughts on where you think the space should be pushed makes a big difference on what it actually gets funded because at the end of the day the people who want to have the like who, people who have the ideas and need to do these things need to be paid to do them and 
And so like y'all are the ones that are actually making that happen. And so the projects that get built are the ones that actually end up getting paid. And like, what, how do you decipher or how do you pick what should be funded and what, like where this space should go? Is it, is it like the VC? Cause there's plenty of VCs being popped up right now, especially right now due to a lot of like kind of influx of wealth from cryptocurrencies. Is it just the ones that get the, the right prognostication or is there room for everyone to win? Um, well, I think the way I approach investing is very much founder first. So um, I try to look for founders who are really, um, are really driven and who have that kind of uh, intangible hustle quality. They tend to get things done really quickly, not take no for an answer and, um, you know, just be willing to, you know, plow through any obstacle to get what they're trying to get done. And, you know, this doesn't necessarily, there's a lot of different personality types that can actually embody this sort of spirit. Some people are louder, some people are quieter, introvert, extrovert. But I think that like drive and determination to achieve the thing is, um, is really a shared attribute. Um, I, I do think, you know, to your to your point about uh, is there room for everybody to win? I think venture capital in general is one of the reasons I like the the space um, as a general category of investments is the fact that I don't see it as a zero sum game. Uh, many of the most successful companies, uh, you know, that were VC backed in the past decade were market creating or market expanding at least, and therefore it's not necessarily. Um, you know, a zero sum hedge fund game where it's like my win is your loss and vice versa. But, you know, you can often actually just improve things for society in general um, while making lots of money, which in general, I think is a pretty attractive value proposition. You know, our other our other co-host that couldn't make it, he had this idea, which we like brushed off like 10 episodes ago, that there should be a like shark tank in crypto companies specifically <laughs> on a scale of like one to 15 and a half do you think that's a good idea or a crappy idea and you can totally shoot him down this is the opportunity <laughs> um to do that you know i think those shows are often kind of sensationalist they try to put founders on the spot um i don't i don't necessarily subscribe to that mentality in the sense that you know i think there's probably a better way of asking hard questions and rather than making a spectacle of it so I can't say that that's something that I would be terribly supportive of, but, uh, you know, if you get interested people who want to participate, you know, go for it. So you shot him down, Cello, that's a two on that scale, <laughs> just in case you weren't listening. Um, you, you had a catchphrase, too. You said earlier in the interview, you were like, that's crazy town. That could have been your catchphrase for the show. But anyways, I digress. Bananas, yeah. So, I often say also something is bananas. I've been using my uh, bananas phrase quite a bit in reference to the ICO market lately. Can you so, tell yeah. us yeah. the worst thing you've seen? Yeah, you, you, can, I don't, you don't have to put names on Front Street. We just like to hear, like, you have to get pitched a lot of ideas. And even the ICOs that get funded, a good portion of them aren't going to make it. But uh, mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of cutting room floor that don't even get the time of day. Yeah, I think the most the most um, unusual idea, and perhaps you know, it just went over my head, but I didn't quite get it. Was um, some sort of schema to append all natural resources to a blockchain, and including air, which was the most perplexing piece for me. Um, 
and have that somehow be self-regulated. And yeah, so I think I think that's the 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 most far out there um, crypto related pitch I've heard. I feel like there might have been a little bit of marijuana associated with that pitch. You know, it's quite possible. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I don't partake, so I can't say. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been in this in this Bitcoin crypto game a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of. Like, I mean, like us, we've been in it a while too. It's it's uh, crypto years are so. I feel like one crypto year is four regular years of living. Yeah. But wh- right now, it seems like Bitcoin is in such a, a weird space and um do you see this being s- s- like a brand tarnishment for the general population because adoption is really the only thing that matters that's what we that's what we kind of preach here and as it seems like we're getting closer and closer to finally getting that snowball rolling down the hill of adoption now we have this like internal civil war of just it just seems it seems a little kooky. Do you think that this could risk? Are adoption? you referring to the Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash scaling oh, debate yeah. or, or yeah. what? The, yeah, that that nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole thing is a little bit ridiculous in the sense that obviously scalability is a huge issue, but I think that it's become very much like a political issue at this point rather than, a, hey, let's work together and figure out the best um technical solution here. I actually think that, you know, personally, I prefer other solutions such as Lightning Network or things like that um, as solutions to this issue. Ultimately, like, I think Bitcoin, like BTC um, wins just because I think there's a pretty, Bitcoin has at this point overcome what I consider to be one of the hardest challenges which is convincing a large number of people to buy it and and that it has any value um and so i think like at this point bitcoin is ahead just because it's kind of the first mover um and so i don't know i i i have a hard time thinking that bitcoin cash is going to supplant it as the main uh the main chain but you know Time will tell. I haven't sold my Bitcoin cash. So <laughs> just holding the optionality for now. Yeah. Why not? It was, it, it, yeah. it came for free. <laughs> exactly. What, uh, like that's a, that's a decent segue to something I want to kind of get at you. Cause you have, I would feel a decent feeler for the general landscape of what's going on. Uh, what people are trying to build is typically trying to solve problems that currently exist in the landscape as, as it stands today or where they think it could be in the future. Uh, what are some what are some like dark clouds off in the distance that you see amongst the entire cryptocurrency community and and along with like whether or not you think they're like they're going to be like tackled in any meaningful way mm. um well i mean I, I do think that scalability is a big one and that applies to bitcoin where it's become a very contentious issue but it also applies to ethereum and you know it's not really clear whether it's going to be Casper or, or, you know, Truebit or any of the other proposed solutions to this issue that um, ends up becoming the one that's adopted, um, or if it's, you know, something else entirely. So, you know, I think that's a real, you could argue it's an existential threat for sure. Um, Other things, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think adoption is still a challenge and um, it's still not 
trivial to buy and hold um, large amounts, but even any amount of Bitcoin um, today. And so I think obviously the barrier to entry is being brought down and companies are working more on building user-friendly products. But I actually think that usability and, and user-centric design is something that's been lacking historically in the crypto community. Um, and so I hope that more companies and more products that are coming out in the next few years will take that to heart and really start to focus on how can we design for the user in such a way that the user doesn't have to know like what a hash is or even, you know, necessarily what a private and public key is. Um, and how can we make security turnkey and, um, you know, just make things easier to use and um, less daunting for new entrants into the space. Uh, I I couldn't agree. It, I think it all kind of depends also on how you wrap it up for the user because I was thinking the other day and I came to the conclusion, like, I don't think anybody really cares about their private key. Like only people that have been in the Bitcoin space for a really long time even care. Like when I, when I show new people Bitcoin and I send them over to Coinbase and they're like, oh, cool. It's that easy. It's just like my bank account. And I'm like, eh, eh, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, so I guess here's a, a question in this is that when we get to the point where it is user-friendly, do you think all of these like keystones that Bitcoiners and cryptocurrency heads hold on to so close to the chest, uh, is that stuff even going to matter? Like private key management and uh, multi-sig trans, like do, does the end user even need to know these things, do you think? Well, I think it all depends how far out you're looking. You know, I think now they definitely do. Um, I would hope that, you know, in 10 years, the answer is no, because it's been, you know, a lot of that stuff has been abstracted away in such a way that the user is able to transact securely without having to know anything about cryptography or math or anything else. Um, and I think, you know, we've seen the internet, we've seen most major technology products or or networks become significantly more user-friendly and easier to use over time. And so I think Bitcoin is, is similar in that sense. Um, and so hopefully that's the direction that we're going. I, I have to kind of, I don't know, there's, there's something about the way things are built in this space that makes me feel like there, there's a certain level of social behavior that has to exist in anything that is fundamentally blockchain. Because of the like, because it's a completely different infrastructure on how how the computers are talking to each other, uh, and where the trust is placed, like where the data and the data like management is placed in these systems. When you interact with a system built on this infrastructure, it, you you have to interact with it differently than how you interact with things that we've messed with and played with throughout entire history of the internet. And so, like, regardless of how much you abstract away, I'm not sure you're going to be able to get away from being responsible for your own information, which is something that humans or the way people interact with the internet just don't get because we've never had to really. And I, I guess I yeah, hope but so. I, think, I mean, I guess what is involved in being responsible though can be very difficult or it can be very simple. And so that's what I'm getting at. I mean, you know, for example, like, before the advent of computers, if you had to, you know, have a library or a file cabinet, you had to keep it organized, like uh, you had to 
you had to do that manually. Now you can hit, you know, alphabetize and boom, your computer does it automatically. So in some sense, you're still responsible for it, but the tools that you have and the way in which you interact with the system has changed dramatically. And so, you know, that's all I'm hoping that it, it just becomes a lot easier to do the right thing in terms of managing your, your security and your privacy and your data. Yeah. I like that. I like that viewpoint. It's, it's like, you're going to still be fully responsible for these things because it's a system built on blockchain, but you'll at least be able to do it in a human intuitive manner, not having to know like deep cryptography or what a hash does and the kind of fun fumble around with properly storing your private keys so that some guy with some malware can't swipe it off your phone. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes I wonder, where's the cutoff for for usability and user friendliness because i know like i think i think there's this little mantra going through the community that make it so easy your grandma can use it but like, my grandma can't use a remote control so like i just gave up hope you know you just give up <laughs> you give up hope on those people sometimes it's like we're just not gonna worry about them let's focus let's bring it focus it down a little bit yeah that um, makes sense right on so like what do you uh what do you look forward to? Like what, what's, what's, what's got you hype right now? Like what's, what's some things that you're seeing on the pipeline that are just like, yes, I can't wait. Cause in, in the beginning we all fell down the rabbit hole, as everyone says about Bitcoin, but the space is so huge now. It's impossible to even keep track of what everything that's currently going on. And so like, what, what do you see? What do you like? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, there's a number of spaces that I'm particularly interested in these days um, or that I'm kind of diving deep into. And I agree that it's pretty much impossible to stay on top of everything nowadays, which is both exciting and somewhat daunting. Um, but in general, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, it just means that there's a lot of smart people working on exciting projects, which is generally a, a pretty strong signal for um, a given space. But, um, you know, I've been I've been spending a lot of time recently looking into um privacy coins, because I think that the ability to transact privately and, uh, you know, with both anonymity and confidentiality is uh, an important financial and personal right um, that people should have. And I think, you know, Bitcoin has been widely considered to be anonymous, but um, in reality, that's not true because, you know, addresses only provide a fairly thin veil of anonymity, particularly if, if addresses are used multiple times. Um, and then, you know, the blockchain is literally a giant list of uh, everybody's transactions. So you can see balances. Um, and so it's not confidential either. So um, I think privacy coins, which were designed with, um, you know, with privacy as a core feature are going to probably, you know, pick up some steam just because folks are going to realize that um, if they're transacting in Bitcoin, you know, without using CoinJoin or any anything else, um, they are exposed to eyes watching the blockchain. And so um, for, for a number of reasons, I think I can see why folks would want to be using privacy coins to transact instead. So that's one of the areas that I'm finding particularly interesting these days. Mm, I think Zcash folks just got really happy if they even listen to our show. <laughs> Zcash, Monero. I, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the space, and I oh, also yeah. enjoy the fact that there's a number of um, teams that are working on this um, and really pushing the cryptography and the math forward. So, um, you know, Dan Bonet and some of the Blockstack guys came out with a 
paper on bulletproofs, um, which, you know, has been in the works for a while, but I think they just announced it last week officially with the full paper at um, Scaling Bitcoin. And they were basically, the goal of that is to, um, you know, help reduce the uh, size of some of the range proofs that are needed for some of the, um, you know, blockchains and coins. And then also um, to eliminate the need for a trusted setup, um, which certain protocols currently require, including Zcash, for example. Yeah, I was at the uh, DevCon talks, and one of the, the days was almost solely dedicated to discussing new improvements with uh, zero knowledge snarks and starks. Yeah, and, like I like I love the fact that we have basically a blockchain that is solely dedicated and funded. Not solely, but like it pushes the the envelope for the cryptography being used in all of these coins, which is a boon for everyone because it's open source. They publish these things and try and make them more efficient and usable for everyone to incorporate into all of their protocols, which is like, which is just good. Like cryptography is the last bastion for securing yourselves and having more defense than the attacker has the ability to steal your stuff. And so funding scientists and people incentivizing people to then push the science further is, is, is wonderful in my opinion. So like, that's one of the few things that I really enjoy too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just I, I, what I what I get excited about is like chain interoperability, and it doesn't seem like a lot of the community gets too excited about that. But I think it would be awesome if all these awesome projects had a way to be a little more synergistic. But I don't know. That's just the hope of mine. Yeah, I mean, some some folks, uh, you know, like some of the Lightning Networks team is working on um, like cross chain atomic swaps and things like that. So. Um, people are definitely working on it. Um, and, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how soon we can have um, some of those options live on, on mainnet. I was, I, was listening to, I was listening to a podcast the other day where someone was basically saying um, maybe a real innovation, a, like a real next level scenario for, block, for the blockchain space happens maybe once every four years. And everything else is kind of just gone by the wayside do you do you agree with something like that do you feel like it's it or or if that is the case it will speed up as the entire space grows kind of almost exponentially no i i don't i don't think i agree with that i mean i think there are certain things which are literally a step function change and you could say like in my opinion the the original Bitcoin white paper was that. So that's the kind of like monumental thing, which then allows for, you know, a, a series of other projects and, and networks to be developed and kind of starts a cascading effect. But if we're talking within the Bitcoin ecosystem, um, I think it's much more gradual than that. And I think, um, you know, it's a lot of chipping away at hard problems, which over time um, amounts to something. I don't, I don't necessarily think that I could point to one important thing which happened every four years um yeah cool uh i got a question uh i'm trying to win argue my boss do you do you think satoshi nakamoto matters um what do you mean by matters period Just like, like the he seems matters? the identity the yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess the identity. He's so hung up on the fact that it's just this mysterious entity 
and the mysterious uh no wait, his exact words were nefarious um beginnings of bitcoin make him shy away from the entire space and he thinks that satoshi nakamoto has a magic backdoor and that one day he's gonna suck out everyone's money like it's very it's, outlandish sounds like your boss doesn't know what he's talking about <laughs> yeah i i, definitely I, I don't, try to tell don't, him yeah but I he listens to the show now so i'm trying to win an <laughs> argument i don't i i don't agree with that um i would say that um you know he or she or they um do at this point own a significant amount of money. So if they ever decide to um, move that money, um, that might be an interesting, um, you know, that's literally billions of dollars. So that's a meaningful amount. And, you know, I think we're still pretty early in where I think the Bitcoin market will go. So it may eventually be tens of billions or more. Um, so, you know, that's obviously meaningful. Um, but I know, I think at this point, the protocol has been out for almost a decade. Um, a lot of really smart people have been banging on it. And I think um, if there were vulnerabilities, those probably would have been found by now. Um, and from, a, from an ideological perspective, I don't think it matters either. I mean, I think the, the whole point of the system was that the system runs itself and that there doesn't need to be sort of like a founder god associated with it um so i guess i disagree Sweet. with your boss <laughs> help me win an argument uh i'll still probably be buying him lunch but help me win an argument <laughs> so we got one last question uh toughest question we ask and it is in 10 words or less can you describe bitcoin 10 words okay let's see Um, Bitcoin is a decentralized payment and exchange network. All right. What you got, Corey? I guess maybe yeah. maybe if I could add trustless in there, I would throw that. You got room. You have room. <laughs> yeah, you got you got three words. You can add some adjectives if you want. I think I think we're good. There we are. All right, succinct. It's funny to well, hear people's abstractions and how like their their top top layer description on what they feel this technology is. So thank you for coming yeah. on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. And right. uh, we Have hope we'll evening. bring you back sometime. Have a good evening. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. And that was the interview with Ariana Simpson. Uh we hope you enjoyed it. Uh we hope that you gain some insight into what it's like to be in the shoes of a venture capitalist and what things that they look for. Um, and I hope it helps you make daily decisions. So yeah. on, it doesn't. No, it's, I like, I like talking to them. It's curious to see how they, where they put their money. They're the ones that end up funding a lot of the projects that actually come to fruition or don't come to fruition. And I'm curious to see like, what they think should be invested in. I like most red blooded Americans have dreams of becoming a venture capitalist one day. I want to change people's lives by will bearing money into their bank accounts and then seeing if they can change mine by making it grow. You know, everybody has that dream in America. 
out of all of the Shark Tank people, because everyone watched Shark Tank, which one are you? Um, I'd probably be a little bit more cute. A mixture between Cuban and the guy that sits on the far right that uh, is into techie stuff, or at least acts Hershevet. like he is. Yeah, that guy. I'm so, I'm a fusion between those two. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna leap at something. I'm not gonna embarrass somebody with their dumb idea. Uh, but I do need a very good idea that's a little bit in the tech esque category, like using technology to do something innovative. Cool. Well, what about you? Probably her. Please say the chick. I was thinking on saying Barbara. No, I think I'm her. The QVC lady, which I've forgotten her oh, name yeah. off the top of my head. Barbara, isn't it? And Barbara. Lori. Lori. I know who you, you are. You guys are true sharkies. <laughs> I know who you are without even needing to ask you. You're Mr. Mr. Wonderful, son. <laughs> yeah. Your idea sucks, and I'm not going to invest in it. I pass. Here's, here's an offer. <laughs> it's terrible. So you're going to take you're it because you want the money. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you $5 for 75% of your company. What? That's not even remotely what I asked for. Let's, uh, make- let's wrap this up. Let's, let's wrap this, this up. Oil. I don't know. Uh, this is already okay. gone, gone on long enough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, I do. I should mention that Ariana um, denied being on our show early on, but we're such a force now. You can't say no to us. Do we have sponsors? She just wanted to come on. No, we don't. Sponsor free. This episode is not sponsored to you by anyone. Oh, we're brought to you guys by some in the works. Dasani water. The water that no one likes, but everyone will drink when they're thirsty enough. Yeah, we have quite a few sponsors in the works. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. some dev on three vendors. BitConnect is not one of them. Yeah, fuck a BitConnect. Nope. Fucking lames. Craig Grant or whatever his name was, I talked to him once. Like, you used to be chill. Now you're all like, hey, look at my Bitcoin Connect wallet. Look at this hotel I'm staying in. And look at this Lamborghini. It's like, dude, get out. Get over yourself. Um, Let's, uh, let's, let's, Find us on all the things, uh, podcast-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, on Twitter, we're at the BTC Podcast. The BTC Podcast. You can tweet at us. Tweet at us. We'll tweet back. Um, let's see. On medium.com slash the Bitcoin Podcast, we have blogs there, blurbs there. We write about things when we're feeling like intellectual and deep. So we write about things there on the blog. Um, what else do we do? Uh, our Slack. Yeah, join the Slack. So thebitcoinpodcast.com or theetherealpodcast.com or theblockchainpodcast.com. You can get to our website and uh, you can join the Slack uh, where we talk about all kinds We're of things. certified now. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. We got an SSL certificate. Uh, which means you could pay us some bat um, if you don't want to see ads. But we don't even have that many ads. But we're thinking about putting a bunch of ads up so then you do pay us some bat. Ha, sneaky. Um, how does that even work? Have we ironed we'll out worry the about details? that later. Can, I'm working okay. on it. Uh, yeah, so you can pay us some bat if you want to. Um. 
what else do we do? Listen to us. Listen to us on all of the podcasting avenues. That's right. We're on iTunes. We're on Podcast Champion. We're on Podcast Blaster. We're on Podcast Tunes. We're on Podcast. You're making things up. You're making things up. I am, but I, I figure like, there's a pretty good probability those. Those are good names. Those are good podcast <laughs> names. <laughs> so, uh, if whatever your favorite podcast of choice, a podcasting app of choice is there. Now, if you want to listen to our older episodes, because we found out like certain apps close off our feed after a certain number, you can go to our website, and our older episodes are like it's like history being spoken like we talk about how thick how crazy things are getting the prices at five hundred dollars and we just it was a lot different then and i think they're well worth listening to they're worth your time did i miss anything nope on a personal note cello heavily sponsored like doesn't sponsor but endorses the movie pass is that correct cello it's even lower now. Now it's only six ninety five a month. You have no excuse. Six ninety five a month to see all the movies you ever wanted to see. One a day. I don't go to the movies. I don't think I would go to the movies even if I had that. Oh, that's, that's not for you, dude. If you get two, that's twelve dollars a month for you and Aaron to see all the movies that you guys want to see instead of paying tw- for itself. Yeah, I don't. I don't go to the movies. Maybe you're missing out. Maybe Hollywood is just offering a piece, all this amazing artistry that you're just missing out on because you don't like the popcorn prices. Doubt it. Damn. <sighs> Anyways, yeah, that's it, guys. Um, take off. Have a good day. Uh, or have a day. Play the outro. It's take in stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs>